This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live once again from the Studio Bizzle, your day-to-day play-by-play is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday, June 23rd, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with longtime Tab Ramos fan and Team USA soccer historian, Jerem Jordan. One time I worked a Rail Salt Lake game as a statistician and Kobe Jones was the analyst. That was fun because he was, uh, you know, played in MLS and with the U.S. for a while. So today's the 10-year anniversary of Landon Donovan's goal against Algeria to send the USA through. It was a miracle. It was 0-0. The U.S., if they tied, weren't going to advance to the round of 16. Uh, Tim Howard uh, makes, makes a stop. Great outlet to midfield. And, uh, you know, Landon Donovan puts it in after uh, Clint Dempsey missed a shot. And that, that is one of the most memorable you know, U.S. sports moments ever because it was the country united watching this, hoping, praying, and a miracle happened. And you remember where you were. I was with Karis Lauder, who used to work here at uh, Cambridge Court near the Glen Hood Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. here in Provo, and that was a very fun experience. I think I even brought my Vuvuzela, and we just had a great time (laughs) as the U.S. got that goal. It was, yeah, I don't miss that, but... What a, what a moment. What a moment. Oh, it was incredible. Uh, I was on my way to Palm Springs, California. I had just accepted a job, my second TV job, as the sports director at KESQ down there. And I needed to find a place to live in like three days. Uh, but I wasn't about to miss the game. So we stopped at my friend John Cook's house. And they had just had a baby like two months previous. And I got so excited. I made their baby cry for like 10 minutes and I felt bad for like a second. But then I was like, Team USA's in the round of 16. Worth the baby crying, man. You figure it out. Sorry, guys. Come I got to go to California now. I got a negative baby experience with sports coming up later. I'll tell you about rel- relative to BYU. <laughs> but yeah, 10 years, man. Crazy. I was going to wear the, so I, w- I would buy the jerseys that the U.S. would have starting in 2010. I had that one. I, and, and this is 2014, but it just got way too dirty. It just stains and stuff. So this is a 2014 one. It's still Clint Dempsey. He was on that team, and he was the guy that yeah. took the shot that got deflected that Landon Donovan eventually put in and scored. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's a great jersey. Clint Dempsey. Time to hear from you all at BYU Sports Nation as we move to an early voice of the nation. We're going to take this into the BYU sphere. What's the BYU sports moment you'll never forget where you were and who you were with. Everybody has one. In fact, most of you have multiple. What are those moments? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At History Geek 1776 tweets in, Miracle at Memorial. Sitting in the studio for countdown to kickoff, I almost lost my voice because of how loud I was. I will never forget that moment. The Mangum Miracle to we beat were, Nebraska. We were here as well. We'll talk about that later. Uh, at Travis Larson, 32. BYU versus UCLA in 2008. I remember the pregame video of that Cougar fighting that Bruin and how nuts we all went. UCLA walked into a hornet's nest that day, and it was glorious. I still remember hugging complete strangers around me as we continued to score and score and score. <laughs> what was it, 59 nothing? 59 right? to nothing. 
one thing to beat North Alabama 59 to nothing. It's Live another to do it against UCLA, who was ranked 25th and had just beaten some big opponent the week before. Yeah. Yeah, incredible that was, stuff. That was wild. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Keep those Twitter responses, those social media responses on Instagram and Facebook as well coming in. Here is today's show lineup. Matt Brown, friend of the program and the publisher of Extra Points. He's a guy that's very well-spoken, talks with a lot of people. He's going to give us some insider information on if college football is going to go off as scheduled. And, uh, you know, he brings, up a good, he's, he brings up a good point yesterday on his social media accounts. There have already been some games canceled. We'll go into that. The best to everywhere, number 34 at BYU. Your favorite, where were you when moments, more of those. And the top five hidden gem moments on Top 5 Tuesday. What are some highlights that are so great but kind of get lost in the fray at BYU. Here are today's BYUSN headlines. BYU announces its fall semester plans for students, which start August 31st with a hybrid of in-person and remote classes subject to trends in disease prevalence and guidance based on state and local government. After Thanksgiving, students will be encouraged to finish the semester from home. No decisions have been made about the winter semester, and face coverings will be required in all classrooms, university buildings, etc., so to me, this is uh, a, a great move. I now have questions about what the, this means for crowds at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and then in the uh, you know after Thanksgiving, BYU is playing basketball games in theory. What does that mean as well? So still to be determined on the crowds. But uh, we in the building use face coverings already, except when we're on the set right here. That's the only time yeah. we essentially don't have them unless you're in the privacy of your. It's the wild west of health protocols. And at some point, I think we're all hoping vaccine's going to be instituted, it's going to get approved, and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. But until then, limited crowds, face coverings. If there's crowds at all. If there's crowds at all. Right? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Kelton Hirsch of BYU Men's Golf named a Srixon Cleveland Golf All-America Scholar by the Golf Coaches Association of America. Hirsch currently a strategic management major with a 3.7 GPA. He also recorded two top 20 finishes during the shortened 2019-2020 season. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is, front of, is in front of a House uh, committee uh, right now, and he says the COVID-19 vaccine could be ready by the end of this year or early 2021. It's when and not if. All right, let's go. So let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Whoever's making it, make it, and uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, and a serious shout-out to the, head, the health and medical professionals that are, I mean, 24-7 oh, on this thing. Yeah. It's incredible. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. You have the power to adjust BYU's schedule in the 2020 football season to a degree. We're going to put some parameters here. Mm -hmm. You have to leave all of the opponents that BYU is already scheduled to play and the locations that they will play them, but you can move when the games are played to try and create a more ideal schedule. And so home has to say home, road has yeah, to say road. Yeah. Okay, where, okay. where they're played yeah, gotcha. has to say gotcha. the same. Okay. Jerem, what would your ideal schedule look like if you could rearrange it how you like specifically? Put it on the screen. Let's go. Uh, I want to open with Michigan State. I want to do countdown to the Spartans, okay? Big 10, 2016 rematch. At Minnesota, arguably the toughest opponent, week mm. two, first roadie. I want Houston. I, want, I don't want four... Power fives in a row. I want Houston, group of five, at home, week three. Two and one, question mark. North Alabama, live on 
BYU TV in week four. Look at that. Maybe three and one. Yeah, you want to win the week four, four game? Oh. Just bring in North Alabama. That's exactly right. North Alabama. Okay, three home, one road, two power fives in September. Two October we go. Utah State, rivalry, Friday night before conference. That just makes sense. That's perfectly slotted already. At Northern Illinois, winnable game in Chicago before it gets crazy cold. At Boise State, rivalry game, not crazy weather in, yeah, Boise yet. Missouri, SEC and Provo, good anytime. Okay, two home, two road, one power five, six and two. If things are going really well, right? Feeling good going into but November. Then look at the back now half. Now it gets tough. Look Let's at the go, back baby. Half. At Stanford, good. I did mainly weather for this, okay? At Stanford, good weather in November. At Arizona State, good weather in Arizona. Maybe their seasons are not as good as they wanted, less motivated. Let's go. San Diego State, senior night, SDSU in the cold. I like that idea. And then at Utah, traditional spot. I just like Whoa. finishing with Utah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, there's still power five scattered throughout, but they're not, like, stacked. Although, in November, there the are back three six. and all on the road. Can we bring that up again? I, I, the back six are crazy. If people want relevance and excitement late in a season, just look at the back six in Jerem's yeah. ideal schedule. Nope, it's crazy. I know. Okay, at Boise State, Missouri home, at Stanford, at Arizona State, San Diego State, at Utah. They're, the break is San Diego State. Other than that, good luck. There is a bye week after Missouri. So going into November, Woo! you would have a little bit of rest. I want BYU as healthy as possible, right? They've, you've opened with two quality opponents. Houston's quality, North Alabama, that's a win. Hopefully you're 3-1, and one, right? And then, and then if you get through October, I'm thinking 6-2-ish. and two-ish, And then you got a shot. At eight, nine, if you're crazy, amazing, okay. ten, right? That that with this setup would be ideal. I don't want to play four power fives in a row, and I want I'm to have there. as many home games outside of November as possible. I like one November home game for BYU because it's just cold, right? It's just cold. All right, let's get to my ideal schedule. Not exactly the backloaded gem that Jerem has put forth. I am going for a more overall balanced approach. I have BYU starting the season at Northern Illinois, and here's yeah, I'm, why. I'm stoked about that. Here's why. I don't need to be stoked. Did we? Yeah, you BYU, do. BYU, we BYU opened this, every day. BYU opened the season at UConn in 2014. Did Boring. we care? Boring. No. We were stoked because college football was back. We counted down 268 days to the kickoff at UConn at Rensselaer Field. Are you okay. stoked about Northern Illinois? Tweet at Spencer underscore. I'm Lander. excited about BYU being naturally amped to start the season and play in a winnable road game. Get one of those road games out of the way. BYU is more likely to win that game than lose in the middle of the season against a group of five teams. South Florida, like it just, Toledo. Get that one out of the way. <laughs> then come home, you're 1-0, and go. you have your home opener against Michigan State. Yeah. Everybody's you, excited. You and I agree that Michigan State should just be early. Everybody's early. excited. BYU starts 2-0. and Now they've got some momentum. They're getting some votes. They're going to Arizona State. Even if they lose that game, Jerem, BYU comes home 2-1. and They beat San Diego State at home. They beat Utah State in the rivalry game. BYU's 4-1. and and feeling good. There's momentum. They're ranked when they go to Minnesota for Aww. a ranked matchup against Row the Boat and the Golden Gophers. And again, even if BYU loses those two tough road games at Arizona State, at Minnesota, you're still 4-2. and two. You beat Houston at home. Then you play at Stanford in Week 8 at 5-2. and two. And just maybe, just maybe you catch the Cardinal. They're not, maybe they're not great this year. I don't think they're going to be that good. 
You go to six and two and you have a bye. If you are six and two with the bye coming home to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to play Missouri in late October, early November, you can win that game. Now you're ranked again seven and two going to Boise State for another big matchup. We'll be undefeated at that point. Oh, like I believe that Boise State's going to be really, really good this year. Okay, so BYU. That's not a hot take. Okay, eight and two, seven and three, beat North Alabama. The Cougars are live on BYU TV. We have to say that the Cougars, in my opinion, with this schedule, are at least eight and three going to Utah, where I think BYU could catch the Utes sleeping again because it's the last game of the season. But finish the deal this time. Finish the game, and BYU finishes nine and three oh, against snap. that schedule. Oh snap! You know what's interesting with uh, four and one start. Yeah. That, I don't like that BYU walks into the weight room, stacks the most weight on, has no warm-up, and just goes maxes immediately. Like, there's no, there's no warm-up to that at all. There's no opportunity to really do something crazy. What do you think? Well, hey, they've done it before, 2015. It's like, BYU got lucky. They threw, like, two Hail Marys and somehow caught them. They could have caught none of them, right? And that would have been a 7-6 and six season. Like, they're... There is some skill to that, but it's mostly luck. BYU got lucky in that part. I, yeah, so more balance would be nice. I'm not exactly sure why BYU feels like it needs to schedule four Power Fives to start the season, but that's what it is, which brings us to a stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Like last season, BYU is the only team in the nation to open the year with four straight Power Five opponents. It's great news, Jerem. Why is the question? I don't, I don't get it, but... I, uh, yeah, this was a fun exercise. I think I missed the show last year when you guys did this. And uh, that was really fun to just go, why would I put this team here? Um, and I want to say the only game that actually stayed in the same spot for me was Utah State. I think that's just the perfect Friday night game. It's in state. There are members of the church that are Utah State fans that kind of get why. Okay. But a Friday night college football game is not a crazy thing. That's the thing that happens now. BYU has several non-Saturday games this year. I think I had five stay in the same place. Five, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, but I just I wanted the Cougars to not have to play back to back road games, and I'm with you. No four straight Power Fives, please. Just, At the most, yeah, two no. Power Fives in a row, and no then thanks. break it up. Break that up. I say play twelve Power Fives. Like if you're going to be a Power Five, let's go. <laughs> That's the response I get from everybody. Well, BYU again is the only team <laughs> in the nation to open with four straight Power Five opponents, beginning with the Utes. Hit it. Countdown to the Utes. 72. 72 days away. 10 weeks, two days. 10 weeks, two days. On Thursday, it's 10 weeks away. And uh, there are a lot of questions to be answered that we don't have the answer to. No one's mo- BYU's not moved a game. Utah's not moved a game. You know, I, I don't know of an FBS team that is quite yet moved a game with 10 weeks to go and it feels like we're going to i don't know yeah will the game happen if the game happens will fans be allowed and uh, if fans aren't allowed will media be allowed this is just we're 10 weeks away we don't even we have no nothing yep yep okay coming up the best to wear number 34 and college sports insider the publisher of extra points matt brown joins us does he think in his research and his conversations that college football will go off without a hitch this is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, 
official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to the show on demand by downloading the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Give us that five-star rating, baby. We are live again in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now is the publisher of Extra Points and college sports writer Matt Brown, friend of the program. Matt, it's great to have you back on BYU Sports Nation. Thanks, friends. Always good to be here and spend some time with you. We are trying to answer some questions that uh, we don't think anybody has the answer to, but that's exactly what we're going to discuss here today because we all want to know, is college football going to happen? What's the future of college sports with COVID-19 and everything that's surrounding it? So uh, just go ahead and give us your disclaimer, uh, the first 30 seconds here, on if you think college sports is going to happen in the fall and why. So my my disclaimer is if I was an epidemiologist, extra points would cost a lot more than $7 a month. I would have much, (laughs) much better answers. (laughs) What I can tell everybody is that it's great that schools and athletic departments and programs are creating plans, that they're trying to figure out ways to execute social distancing. They're looking at ways to maybe bring in diminished capacity for college football stadiums. But ultimately, a lot of this is completely out of the control of anybody in an athletic department. It's going to be up to governors. It's going to be up to state public officials, and it's going to be up to how well we as a country are able to get a handle on on COVID. And we can set up a bunch of plans, but if the disease looks different in August, all those plans are going to have to go out the window. Yeah, and there's so many questions to be answered. One of them, obviously, is crowds and how that's going to happen. And today, BYU announced that they will have a combination of in-person classes with online and after Thanksgiving for, uh, you know, encouraged to go home. So I'm wondering what kind of crowds we're going to have anywhere. Obviously, I, it's not going to be what it was, but will there be a crowd at all, in your opinion? Yeah, a lot of that's going to depend on the institution because having a crowd, even a diminished crowd, is going to require you to have some extra space. So it's going to be a little bit easier if you have a stadium that seats 60, 80, 100,000 people versus one that seats maybe 10. You're going to need to be able to close off some of those sections so people can have space. You're also going to have to change how you do concessions. You're going to change how you do restrooms. You might have to bring in prepackaged food. And the financial calculus for whether that's worth it for schools is going to vary from institution to institution. Like, I would not be shocked if we have some FCS programs or maybe some institutions that have smaller crowds decide to go completely empty stadium or just essential personnel for those. Whereas maybe my alma mater, Ohio State, which depends on the gajillion dollars that they make from these stadiums, they're going to make every possible uh, accommodation that they can to get a, a couple you know, tens of thousands of people in that stadium. Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, college sports writer, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. No matter the statistics you look at, and I almost hesitate going here because when you bring stats into it, everyone kind of is like, well, where are you getting those statistics from? It has become clear that younger athletes are not as at risk as the older demographic. Uh, That said, at what point do we say, well, because they're young and they can stay healthy, like, it's okay. Just let them sign a waiver that if they get sick, whatever, it doesn't matter. Let's play college sports. Like, where do we draw the line here uh, when we're talking about the safety of individuals, no matter the age? It's a, it's a great question, and that's something that I think university administrators need to have really difficult conversations about. And what I think is so important to remember here is that, yes, it is true that if you are a healthy Division One caliber athlete, you're 18 to 24, your risk of death is low. Your risk of potential other health complications is still there. And it's important for all of us to realize that 
football teams and athletic departments in general aren't just run by 24-year-olds. It's not always a 24-year-old that's sanitizing that locker room. There's definitely not always 24-year-olds coaching these football teams. A lot of football head coaches across Division One are old. A lot of them are overweight. A lot of them have some of these other you know, health, health considerations. The people who are teaching these classes, the people who are trainers and media members and all of the accompanying personnel, they're not all 24-year-olds. And so we all need to, and I say we, meaning fans, media members, the institutions collectively need to realize it's not just the risk of our defensive tackles that we need to consider. It's the risk for our entire university community. And my hope is that we'll look at all that holistically when we're making decisions about when we should continue play. Absolutely. And we're seeing a lot of positive tests uh, coming out of voluntary workouts and no one has really answered the question. And again, this is just unanswerable questions, but we got, we got to discuss yeah. when there's a positive test in season, what does that mean? Right? So let's say the quarterback who interacts with the ball a lot, obviously gets a positive test. Is he just out for two weeks and your backup suddenly who was probably exposed to him is in quarantine too? Like, how's that going to work? Yeah, this is this is these are the important questions. I mean, Bob Bolsby in the Big 12 has said, like, we need to make peace with the fact that games are going to get canceled during the season. And if I'm a coach, you maybe you, you completely reconfigure how you set up your practices. You don't want your position groups working together necessarily, because if your quarterback tests positive and he's been hanging out with all the other quarterbacks, well, are you going to run the single wing next week? Are you going to do an installation <laughs> with with no quarterbacks? It's going to be tricky for a lot of these position groups. And what I think as fans, if there's going to be a college football season, we need to make peace with the fact that it's not going to be like anything we've seen for 100 years. Games are going to be canceled. The schedule we have set up right now, I feel pretty confident, is not going to be the complete football schedule that we're going to see by the end of this football season. There's going to be games that might be scheduled in September that get moved to November. There's going to be the depth of these football programs is going to be challenged completely. And, you know, if you're an athletic director and you're thinking about firing your football coach, you got to put a big old asterisk by the season because I don't know what you can you can fully take from it. And if as a fan, if as as a college football collective, we're we're OK with that very weird season, that, then maybe that's OK. But like, don't be surprised if some walk ons or third stringers that you were not expecting to play this season have to just because people got sick. It's the replacements college edition. That's what we're, what we're going to have this fall. I And you brought yeah. up the schedule. We are 10 weeks and two days away from the season, and no one has moved a game, right? Because we don't know yet what's going to happen. But we're only 10 weeks out, which is shocking that we haven't, I guess, figured everything out. And then perhaps there's a wave again and you know, around a time when you get a, a flu more often. I mean, it's just going to be wild. Yeah, it, well, actually, we have seen a couple of games canceled, and this just happened. But the Patriot League, which is FCS League, like I think just yesterday said, we're going conference only. And mm. so I think the beginning of the year, Fordham's going to Hawaii, so that game's not happening. Or So Hawaii's going to have to look for a replacement or, or make some changes here. You see a couple of HBCUs at the FCS level already canceling games. I suspect that's going to continue a little bit. And if you're a school that really relies on television money or big gates, you want to be as conservative as possible because you really need that money. Like this is, we have to understand safety wise, it might be best if we punt on this season, but there's so many athletic departments that are so dependent on this money for running their entire athletic department, not just their football team, that they're going to do everything possible, even if it means a kind of stupid season to make this happen. Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, a college sports insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. 
Matt, when we talk about fans watching games, and you brought it up a little bit saying, hey, if you have a bigger stadium, then you, you have more room to work with. You, you can try and get a few thousand people and you can section some places off, things like that. But at what point do we say to the fans, okay, if you are going to come into the stadium, you have to sign this consent waiver and everybody has to wear a mask. And how do you regulate these things? So uh, I guess my question is, what type of fan engagement do you – uh, foresee when it comes to in-person college football? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Like, I got to be honest with you. I- I'm probably not going to go to any games this season, even if I'm in a press box, because so many of the things that I like about college football, probably not going to be able to do. It- it's-, it's hard for me to imagine a tailgate, which is a big group of people getting close together and sharing utensils and everything. I don't know how you can really do that and have it be any fun at all if you're masked up and distanced. It's, you can't scream the same way if you're wearing a mask. And if I'm an athletic director, if I'm a university general counsel, and I'm legally allowed to make people sign that waiver or mask up, I'm absolutely doing it. Because we, we seem to know right now that's a great way to spread this disease. It's just to scream next to each other. But if you're a fan, you're thinking, is it worth me spending 55 bucks if I don't get to eat the same food, don't get to scream the same way, don't get to share the same parking lot experience? It's a lot cheaper for me to watch this game on TV where I can do all those things and feel safe. That's already a trend we're seeing in college athletics. I have to think that this football season is going to expedite that trend a little bit. And I'm interested to see what that means for, let's, let's say at Ohio State, or let's just say BYU, let's BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. There's 60,000-seat you know, uh, 60, stadium. Let's say there, half the people are like, you know what, I don't want to go. Um, but there's still 20,000 that want to get in. They only allow 15,000 in. How are you deciding who gets in? Like, it's, that's, that's this is going to be the yeah. craziest college football season ever because we've got so many unanswered questions, and we are 10 weeks out. Yeah, and, and, and everyone's doing this differently right now. You have some schools that are saying, okay, only the super big money donors and the people who have been season ticket holders since the 50s, you can come in. And some are saying, well, only the students. And some are trying to do a lottery. And if you're, if you're a bean counter and you're just worried about money, yeah, you want to go bring in you know, Mitt Romney and his 12 richest friends and go bring all of those guys in so they'll keep donating to the department. But is that going to be the best fan experience? Is that the best way to cultivate future BYU fans? I mean, if nothing else, this whole enterprise should be for the students. It's not, an, it's not an easy answer. And the answer, I think, has to look different because if there's one thing that this whole crisis has really made clear, we ha- all of our universities are, are very, very different. They're in different cities. They're, they're experiencing the virus differently. They have different student bodies. They have different priorities. And so what makes sense for BYU and what makes sense for Iowa, and what makes sense for Hawaii, they're all going to look really different. And, you know, some people are going to be frustrated by that. Some people may not, but you have to do what's best for your your community. Matt, a couple of things before you go. Uh, Number one, Tom Holmo wants to know how other BYU fans can subscribe to your newsletter and get updates. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, listen, I I appreciate his support. I appreciate all of your support. You can subscribe uh, by going to mattbrown.substack.com. You can get two issues of Extra Points a week for free. It details all of the off-the-field stories that impact what we see on the field in college athletics. You can also subscribe for just 7 bucks a month or 70 bucks a year, and you'll get four issues a week, plus an exclusive podcast and other insider college athletics information. Good stuff. Join Tom Holmo, the subscriber, and uh, that's an excellent Freedom Bowl pennant you have behind that's you That's awesome, well. man. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I got to tell you, it was really hard to find a good BYU pennant that wasn't enormous on the Internet. If any of you guys have any, like, old stuff from, like, the 60s or something, you'll drop me a Twitter DM. I might want to buy it from you. I got this, this, this wall here in my office of all these places I've lived, and 
figured the MTC was a long enough excuse for me to buy some BYU stuff. So I got that <laughs> up on the wall too. Matt, great to catch up with you, man. Uh, very intriguing stuff. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, no problem, fellas. Anytime. Be well. Matt Brown on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He's a, he's a good dude, so he covers the game nationally. He's a member of the church, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, went on a mission. Didn't go to BYU, went to Ohio State, as you mentioned. But uh, we'd like to pick his brain on the uh, national things. Plus, he understands the audience, right, as a member of the Absolutely church? Absolutely, he yeah. does. We met him at the 2015 Vegas Bowl in the press box. It was fun. To, uh, he had a nice sport coat on that day. That's what I remember. <laughs> okay, coming up, our favorite where and when moments from you. And the best to ever wear, number 34 at BYU. Are we going football or basketball today? This is BYU Sports Nation. Just no Dennis Pettit. That's all right. BYU TV app is the place to watch recent and old BYU sports games. Get your VOD fix on the BYU TV app today. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. BYU announces its fall semester plans, which start August 31st with a hybrid of in-person and remote classes subject to trends in disease prevalence and guidance based on state and local government. After Thanksgiving, students will be encouraged to finish the semester from home. No decisions have been made about the winter semester. Face coverings will be required in all classrooms, university buildings, etc. No news as to how this affects the crowds at sporting events quite yet. Golf. Kelton Hirsch of BYU Men's Golf named a Srixon Cleveland Golf All-America Scholar. That according to the Golf Coaches Association of America, Hirsch, currently a strategic management major with a 3.7 grade point average. Well done. He also recorded two top 20 finishes during the shortened 2019-2020 season. More good things ahead for Kelton. You know what I was just thinking about as we approach the best to wear it? I want professional golfers to wear a number. It's too many dudes. Is that <laughs> yeah. why we don't? There's like Probably. hundreds. They're, because they're, in NASCAR, they wear a number, but there's yes. not over 100, right? 43. I think there are 43 cars that start each race. That's it? Well, there are like more dudes outside of that that Correct. participate or something. Oh, he's in the 98 car today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. But with uh, I don't, ba- baseball I, managers and coaches <laughs> wear like Mike numbers. Littlewood has a number, yes. doesn't he? That's yes. Mike Littlewood's number. I don't know. Yeah. Here comes Tiger Woods. 30? Number seven. Yeah, <laughs> number <know>. seven. <laughs> I, yeah, and then you'd say, I'm with number seven. That's how NASCAR is. Or maybe how many majors you've won. That's the number you get to wear on your golf. Like, so Tiger Woods would be 15. No, and then they're all <laughs> one, 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 one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. That's a bad idea. That's a bad, that's a bad take. Uh, we do have a good take. It's called the best to wear. We're counting <laughs> we up to number 99. <laughs> One number each show and determining who was the best athlete to wear each number of BYU today. We land on number 34. Number 34, Fred Roberts is the guy. We had him on the show recently. And uh, when he finished at BYU's second all-time leading score, he's now down to ninth. There have been a lot of good players. Fred was uh, one of the best to come out of BYU in the early days. Played 78 to 82. Top 20 all-time still in rebounds, assists, blocks, field goal percentage, among others. Two-time first-team All-Wack, 81 and 82, mm. drafted in the second round by the Bucks. played in the NBA for a long time, 83 to 93, and then 95 to 97, seven different teams. And in the 89 Eastern Conference semifinals, Woo. put up 33 points, guarded by Dennis Rodman for most of that game. He is perhaps, hard to find this out exactly, but the only player in NBA history to be a teammate of both Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. That's kind of fun. Yeah, how many guys played with uh, the two greats in that era, right? Honorable mention, Noah Hartsock. Fun story with Noah. So, Jimmer Fredette scores 52 against New Mexico in the semifinals of the 2011 Mountain West Conference Tournament. 
I'm interviewing Noah after, and I said, what will you remember from this night? And he said, this is the night that Jimmer Fredette and I combined for 59 points. <laughs> it's a great story. And then uh, Lori Vreekin, ninth in scoring at BYU and BYU Women's Hoops. Some of you are saying, what about Coach Satake, number 34? You're right. He was 34 as well. He was number 34. It's hard to as be. As a player, yeah, he was, he was a solid player. He's, he's not one of the best ever wear 34 at BYU. It's hard to be you know what I mean? in that category Clark. as a fullback. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, if he was the primary guy and he ran for 1,000 yards, it was sure. Like if no. there were a category of like, oh, he uh, led 10 touchdown scoring drives with the critical block at the goal line against power five opponents, there's, there's nothing like he that. He did against Virginia did, in overtime in 2000. I remember that. Okay, coming up, top five Tuesday, hidden gem performances. And more of our favorite and your favorite, where were you when moments. Jeremy and I are going to give you ours, but tweet in yours. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Get to know the players, coaches, and some compelling fan stories by searching deep, Blue on the BYU TV app today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. Jerem Jordan, Spencer Linton here, and we have been discussing on our social media platforms our favorite where were you when moments. And it's time for Jerem and I to give you ours as they relate to BYU sports. It's hard enough to start with the one where we were literally standing next to each other in Rice-Echo Stadium in November of 2006, Beck to Harleen. Uh, That'll be hard to forget. That was fun. Uh, I remember where I was. I was right next to you. (laughs) We drove to the game together with Jordan Feinauer. So uh, Beck to Harleen. So we are on the uh, left sideline here. And, uh, yeah, Beck does his thing and uh, rolls to his right. Find this guy! You know, and that was amazing. That was amazing. And I have told the story, but I dropped my lens. And uh, oh, yep, there we shuttle. are. There, there we are. There we are. Yeah. Uh, I dropped <laughs> the lens because I had the camera. F- and, uh, yeah, I just watched it with my eye <laughs> instead of shooting it. <laughs> so that's why I'm not a cameraman or woman because I'm not good at it. Uh, so props to our very capable and excellent camera people. So, yeah, Beck Tarlene, <laughs> amazing moment. My mom is at this game. So my mom's a kook, right? My stepdad, <laughs> my stepdad is a Ute, okay? And they are in that end zone up like 15 rows right there. And so I'm just like up at my mom, you know, I'm like, yeah, that happened. We're here. We had this moment, right? And you and I had that moment. You kept saying, saying oh, my gosh. That was your reaction. You can see in the spot shadow after that, that I just when, when he throws the ball, I'm like trying to see around people. So I do like this little jump because I, Again, we're like, who is he throwing the ball to? Literally, there's only two people in that stadium that knew where that ball was going. That's John it. John and Johnny. That's it. There's nobody else. And if Wild. you say otherwise, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Tanner Mangum, the, the Hail Mary. So you are, David and Blaine are at uh, you know, Lincoln, Lincoln Memorial. Memorial. You are hosting Countdown, and I am, uh, or the, about to host the postgame show. I am producing said postgame show. And uh, you are what, in the green room watching this? I'm in the green room with Brian Logan. And David Nixon. And David Nixon. And the emotions are, uh, are high as this play is about to happen. And, and Brian's frustrations are coming out. He's like, why do we always come up one play short? So stupid. 
And then Mitch Matthews catches that ball. We went absolutely bonkers. Brian Logan is literally sprinting up and down the hallways. <laughs> and he's fast, dude. Screaming at the top of his <laughs> lungs. I'm hugging David Nixon. Then Brian comes back in after he's done sprinting around. We all hug. And then we run into Studio C. And it's just to get ready. For the Pandalarium, Jerem. Yeah. It was pandemonium yeah. in there. Pandalarium's um, an inside joke. With yeah. 200 BYU fans, including <laughs> at History Geek 1776. Who was there? Yeah, yeah. I was there. I'll never forget it. That it was, was just incredible. So, I, so I'm, on, I, I'm on headset preparing our crew. We're sitting there the whole fourth quarter getting ready for the postgame. And I say before the play, I go, either we're never going to remember this moment or we will remember it forever. It's one of the two, right? <laughs> if he catches there, he doesn't. So everyone goes, yeah! You know, there's like just everyone's. It's crazy. And one of our producers, Harrison Collier, goes, gosh, because everyone yelling in his headset. So he throws it down. He's all mad because everyone just screamed in his headset. He wants a certain level of professionalism that's absolutely warranted, except when there's a Hail Mary. You know what I mean? So that was funny. Yes, and Harrison still struggles with his inner ear. <laughs> okay, Cotton Bowl, Kansas State, 97. This is the 96 oh, season. It's Omar the o- Morgan. It's the only New Year's Six game. Okay, When K.O.K.O. Louie catches the game, would-be game-winning touchdown pass, right, the, or what, what it was, I'm at uh, Keith Brown's, Keith and, and Lisa. Keith is my step-uncle mm. at this moment. He later doesn't become my step-uncle because my dad gets divorced the second time. Anyway, so Lisa and Keith have a baby that's sleeping, and we can't cheer. It's really hard not to cheer when this happens. Oh, my goodness. Fury's 13-1, and one, trying to win this game. Come back. This is an epic game. KO's doing his he, – he caps off what he started the season with against Texas A&M with the game-winning touchdown pass. And then Omar Morgan with the pick. It was so hard not to be loud. And I love the story there. Uh, I believe Ed Keel is involved there when he says – Brian's older brother. He recognizes the play and signals to Chris Ellison, He's, they're going to run a quick slant here. Or sorry, he, not Chris Ellison, but Omar, Omar Morgan. Morgan. Omar he tells Morgan. him what's he coming. He tells like, hey, 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 be ready. And boom, pass is intercepted. That is teamwork. Yes, and that's film study. And that's recognition, right? Because Kansas State's probably going to win that game. But Omar Morgan doesn't pick that off. They're going to go down and score. They were ranked 19th. They were good. That's in the Cotton Bowl. They are ranked 14th. They were ranked 14th. Okay, even better. Like, that was a big play. Yeah, I was in the basement uh, of my home watching that. And I just, I just remember my dad saying, now, Spencer, this is an exciting moment, but I mean, it's, it's, you need to settle down. I was like, no, I'm going to go crazy for the next, the rest of today. Is okay? that how watching games were in your home? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Not typically. I, I may have gotten a little out of hand. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the, the, your dad making sure it was. I've been bouncing off the walls. I, I was a little out of, out of control. Because <laughs> I don't know. I, Listen, when I'm watching a game, I want to get riled, I want to get mad, I want to get excited, I want to, you know what I mean? The funny thing is, as he got older, he was the guy that became outlandish and loud. Yeah. And my mom was like, "Can't settle down. You need, you need to settle. It's just a game." So I'm, I met the, uh, you know, uh, pediatrician the other day, and this this dude named Kent Linton is apparently a doctor nearby or or, or something, and and uh, I'm like, "Hey, is this?" Who is this? Is this related to you? That's your dad's name? Your middle name's Kent? Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? So anyways, Kent Linton, whoever you are, you're getting free post. Oh, hey. Anyway. What's up, man? Okay, uh, Jimmer Fredette. So let's, what, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Gonzaga, New Mexico? which Okay, uh, so the 52-point game, just because it's a really, really funny story. I New am, Mexico, semifinals. 21. I am sitting in the media slash 
uh, athletes room at the BNP Paribas Open, which is a huge tennis tournament in Indian Wells, California. And I am watching this game. I asked somebody to change it to uh, whatever network it was on. This is CBS, CBS Sports College or Sports. CBS College Sports. Yeah, yeah. So, and we've got a terrible feed. So it's like grainy and kind of coming in and out. That's called SD. All right. Not a great picture, but I am glued to this TV. And I, I, no joke, I am sitting next to Novak Djokovic. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. He and Who's his, in the news right now? He and his coach and uh, someone else from his training staff. She watched this they're, they're Djokovic? at the table next to me. They are not paying attention to this oh, at all. Oh, he doesn't care. Okay? Yeah. But they are sitting next to me at the table eating lunch or whatever, and I'm watching Jimmer Fredette go off. Because I know what a tough matchup New Mexico is, just pleading, hoping. They had won both in the regular season. That Jimmer right? can carry BYU into the tournament final, and uh, and he did it, man. 52 points. I was excited, you know. But yeah, that's the <laughs> Novak Djokovic just sitting that's at the table I, I, next to me. I never heard that one. And I could have cared less. I'm like, yeah, great. You're the number one tennis player in the world. What's Jimmer Fredette doing? I'm on the other end of the stadium courtside. They put kind of a, uh, excess media around the ring. And my uh, wife, we had just gotten uh, married, or we were about to be married. We were engaged. And she's a, she was a sports information director with BYU. So we were at all the same stuff. It was, it was a really fun time. So, we, yeah, we sat next to each other during that one. It was just crazy. So it's like, all right, she goes off to work. I go off to work. But we enjoyed the game together. Okay, Lavelle Edwards, oh, man. last game at BYU. Oh. So uh, this is at Utah. It's 2000. We know this is the last game. BYU had beaten New Mexico the week before. And BYU just pulls off a miracle. It's, it's you know, fourth and 13. And Staley fumbled, but there's no review, which is awesome. Jonathan Pittman twice. And then Doman runs it in. And it's just this unbelievable way to end Lavelle's career. I'm in the stadium on the opposite end of the stadium in the end zone. So I'm, I'm in the northwest uh, part, and I'm just praying for a miracle. Yes. And somehow it happened, man. You know, I'm not one that's like, okay, divine. Is that Kalani Sataki on the block? Thing? Yes. Yep, yep. Maybe he was the best tour, number oh. 34. Oh, interesting. <laughs> because he preserved Lavelle's last miracle. <sighs> he wasn't better than Fred Roberts. Come on, fine, come on. We love Kalani, though. We love Kalani. I'm not one that's huge on, like, Divine intervention in sporting moments. I don't believe that it actually happened. Okay. But I, legi- I legitimately, <laughs> in this moment, was praying so hard oh, yeah. that please let Lavelle win his last game. He cannot finish with the losing season, and it cannot come at the hands of Utah. It cannot be in this moment. Please. It's such a slippery slope. If dude. there is it's anybody so listening in heaven. Let Lavelle win this last game. You're I, also no, praying I, that Utah loses. I legitimately yeah. prayed, and I don't know that I've ever prayed like that ever in a game. That's the one game yeah. where I'm just like, I, I need, please, heaven, please, just give Lavelle this. I didn't. Even, it wasn't even for me. It was like, just, just let Lavelle win. This is such a slippery slope. <laughs> Wow. I know, I know, because I, I don't. I'm telling you how I felt as an 18 year old yes, kid. Yes, yes, and I'm telling you that I feel like Tanner Mangum had the perfect response to this. By the way, so after Nebraska and or Boise State, he goes on the Dan Patrick Show, and Dan asks him an unbelievable question. I think Dan's really good at interviewing people. He says, "Do you think God cares about sports?" Mm, mm. It's a legit question, right? Like we all think that God, like here. We believe that God cares about your life, right? Yes. That he's in the details. He loves you. 
Tanner said, I don't believe that he cares about sports per se, but I know he cares about people. And I thought that was the perfect God response. God cares about the individual. Yes, that was the perfect response. God's not. If God cared about BYU football, BYU would have won a national championship since 84. You know what I mean? Like, if that really was the case, <laughs> BYU would have won some ships. But he cares about the individuals, <laughs> right? And uh, that just happened to be, like, you, you know who calls it a miracle? The BYU fans. The Utah fans don't no. see it the same way. You know what I mean? And we have ignored, quote, unquote, miracles on the other side. Just, yeah. Just be careful. It was oh no, no question. Yeah. I just I, and I never got emotional during games. I was emotional. <laughs> you never got emotional. No, meaning like crying. Oh, like crying. I was like, I, what do you mean? I cried when Lavelle won his last game. That was just yeah, like, it was, was epic, man. Unbelievable. It was epic. Okay, coming up, rise and shout out to another Nacho Libre impersonation from the Kapusi. And it's top five Tuesday with some top five hidden gem highlights. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation continues with the Daily Reminder, the show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. And Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, and you can download the podcast today. Let's get to Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. And so far on Top 5 Tuesdays, we've highlighted generally the biggest stars performing in the biggest games on the biggest stages. But today, we widen the lens and relive some of the best games from players other than Jimmer Fredette, Ty Detmer. We call it Hidden Gems, Jeremy. Okay, number five. Perhaps you remember this one because it's so recent, but Kinda Kua against Boise State in 2015. BYU's coming off Hail Mary. Kinda Kua has not one, not two, but three interceptions in this game. You remember the last one the most. Because it sealed the game. BYU just had Hail Mary Part 2 to Mitchell Jurgens, And Kai almost takes two back. Here's the play where he picks it off. And Spencer, in this moment, that oh stadium was unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. It rivaled Gennaro Guilford against Utah with that pick. When he scores, I, the place just, the roof blew off the Stadium. Because BYU could have kneeled it out. But there's no bigger gut punch than just taking that to the house. Three interceptions. Kind of cool. Won that game for pretty, BYU. Pretty awesome. Number four. Can I get a shout out for Luke Ashworth? Oh, yeah, baby. And his performance against Colorado State in 2010. Ashworth caught four passes for 117 yards. All four catches were touchdowns. How about that? Hey, what'd you do today, Luke? Well, I scored 24 points for my team. BYU routing the Rams 49 to 10 behind number 29 Luke Ashworth. That was an incredible performance. Number three, facing Utah State in 2002, BYU was down 34 7 at halftime. Enter freshman Curtis Brown. 217 yards in the game, three touchdowns in the largest comeback in BYU history. He added four catches for 49 yards as well. BYU goes on to win 35-34. I was visiting some friends at Utah State. I was in the Utah student section rooting for BYU and watched this miracle in person, man. This was crazy. It was 34-7. to Yeah. The game's over, man. My guy Kevin Curtis on Utah State yeah, from my neighborhood, he was that. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was an incredible comeback. And to this day, the 27-point comeback, largest in BYU history. All right, CB6. Number two, our guy C. Stu Seven, Christian Stewart at number two, out dueling Jared Goff of all people. 
42-35 and a win at California to end the 2014 regular season. C. Stu goes for 433 yards, five touchdowns, including that gem to Jordan Leslie, who caught five passes for 183 yards and two touchdowns. Christian Stewart, a guy threw 25 touchdown passes in eight starts. Yeah, that was that was incredible. That was incredible. And that kept Cal out of a bowl game, by the way. And the number one hidden gem, Chase Fisher, 2014. He sets a BYU program record with 10 three-pointers. <laughs> Nine in the first half against Chaminade. Uh, BYU made 17 in the game. By the way, BYU made what? 17 in four games this yes, past season? last season. BYU won 121 to 85. Chaminade, what are they? D2, I think. Um, we're NAIA at one point. So I don't care who you're playing, dude. 10 threes is unbelievable. Nine and a half. Sports Center's cutting into whatever live programming they had to talk about Chase Fisher's made nine three pointers in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, 121. Woo! See Fish. Outstanding. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Answering this question of the day. What's the BYU sports moment you'll never forget where you were and who you were with? At TFREC12 answers on Instagram. The BYU win over Miami. I was actually in the Seychelles Islands for work and called my mom in Utah to get the final score back when long distance rates applied. I remember calling cards. The game was just finishing. I got a play-by-play of the final minutes, came home to a $400 plus phone bill. (laughs) Wow. Totally worth the 400 plus. Wow. Okay. Today's rise and shout (laughs) out. The Kafusis are obsessed with Nacho Libre and they did a five minute video where they are reenacting Nacho Libre, Bronson, and Corbin. I mean, these guys are giant humans, right? And here they are with their acting chops, wrestling, luchador masks. I mean, baby they, oil. I mean, these guys, are, these guys are busy as it is. They're both in the NFL. Mom's a little busy, right? And each other with chairs. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's the $400 bill, dude. That's epic. <laughs> Worth it. Our thanks to today's guest, Matt Brown. Sorry to Dustin Pitta. No time. Conversation continues on the internet. For Jeremiah, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Chris Ellis, and we'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs and go Luchadores. BYU Sports Nation.